there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Are you ready for God's word? We've been looking at building or establishing a kingdom legacy and we've been looking at the legacy of building. I was so blessed last Sunday when I thought about the message I preached. I was so blessed. I was surprised that I'm really anointed. Glory to God. So I will not do a recap because I, I really want to cover ground. Today I want to I speak on the subject, the ingredients of building. The ingredients of building. Some of you have heard this before. Let's go to Genesis chapter 11 verse 1 to 6. I dealt with this when I was doing morning glory, but I want to go deeper as we consider the ingredients of building. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. You know, when I was thinking about this, the Spirit of God took me back to that week I was doing morning glory concerning the ingredients of building. And the Spirit of God told me, go back and just marinate whatever I deposited in your spirit and share with the church because some of them did not wake up at 5.30 to pray. And so we are going to redo the morning glory for a while. Hmm? Only this side is excited. I have lost this wing of the, of the church. I'm saying we are going to redo the morning glory. Yes, we're going to redo it and pray. And I know that God will lead us. Genesis chapter 11 from... Verse number one. If you're there, you say amen. The Bible says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of China, and they dwelt there. Then they say to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. Somebody shout one. That's not a shout. Shout again, one. one. The people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment. I pray that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We want to look at what we need to put into place for us to be able to build. Now, remember if you're, if you're cooking food, you will not just take meat, throw it there, cover it, pour water, even though that's how some people cook. And add a few things there, boil, and then present to the people. If you want the meal to be palatable, if you want people to enjoy the meal, then you have to prepare your ingredients. You have to put a few things together, some spices, onions, uh, tomatoes, uh, some garlic, um, some, what else do they put? 
whatever they put inside there so that the meat can be enjoyable or the food can be enjoyable. And so building will not just happen. There are certain things that you have to put together, mix them in the right ratio for you to actually accomplish any building project you embark on. When you look at Genesis chapter 11, it is, it is the very first incidence that we see construction being mentioned, you know, by human beings. When you look at the book of Genesis, right from the beginning, it was God who was working. But here we are seeing that human beings conceived the idea to construct something, a, a tower and a city. And they wanted to use mortar. So they were thinking about bricks. They were thinking about mortar at this particular point. Very, very early on, as far as the human race is concerned, they started thinking of building. And I remember I told you that building is in us. Building is in you. Look at your neighbor and tell them, building is in you. Tell another one, building is in us. Every human being, there is a longing, there is a craving inside of us to build something. That's why when you don't build, you become frustrated. When you stay here on earth without no building, nothing you have put together, it, it makes you, you know, live a frustrated life. You feel like there's something you need to do that you haven't done. And that's why I believe that even as the church enters into this season of building, that the anointing to build will come upon you. I say the anointing to build will come upon you. The grace to build will come upon you. Hallelujah. And, and after we dedicate the church, we will dedicate houses. You, you will buy land and build in Jesus' name. I see myself coming to your building to dedicate it. I see myself walking in the rooms in your house to dedicate your house that you have built in the name of Jesus. Receive the grace to build. Receive the wisdom to build. Receive the anointing to build. Receive the resources to build. Receive the monies to build. Shout a louder amen in this house. Give somebody high ten and tell them I must build something. Hallelujah. Professor, you will not die without a building attached to your name in the name of Jesus. You will not go to the grave without building a house, without building the church, without building a business, without erecting a stone on top of the other until you get up there and put a roof on top of it in the name of Jesus. Receive that grace. Receive that anointing. Receive that capacity. Receive that wisdom. Shout, I receive it in Jesus' name. Oh yes. So the, 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 the desire to build, the craving to build is within us because it is God who put it in us. So we are seeing that these guys, an amorphous group of guys decided that, hey, we must build something. Now, Having land is good, but let me tell you, having a building on that land is so much better. You see, bare land never benefits the holder much. In fact, when you have bare land, sometimes it never yields its full potential to you. In fact, sometimes bare land becomes a liability to you because you have to pay what we call um, tax on vacant land. There is taxation of vacant land. And the reason why this law has been put in place, and by the way, it is even in this country. It is enshrined in our constitution. That's why you have to be careful. If you are owning land, you have to follow up to know. 
Otherwise, the day you go and start building, you will be slapped with a figure. Tell your neighbor it's wisdom. So, bare land is also taxed. And they do that, the government instituted that law to discourage speculation and encourage development. And it's not only in this country. It has been done in the U.S. It has been done in South Korea. I did a study. It has been done in South Korea. It has been done in Colombia. It has been done in other countries to try and help or encourage private developers not to just buy huge chunks of land and just leave them there without developing them. It is to make you work on that land. So if you hear you have land, please think about working on that land. Otherwise, it will attract uh, some tax on it. And the money will come from your pocket. And so that land ceases being an asset and it becomes a liability because it's taking money out of your pocket. Not every house puts money in your pocket. Not every piece of land puts money in your pocket. Anything that takes money out of your pocket is not an asset. It is a liability. Are we together, somebody? So, look at a neighbor and tell them, you need to develop that land this year. Put something on that land. Even if it's a Mabati structure, put something on that land. And collect rent of 5,000. If you have Mabati structures which have 100 houses, and each house you are able to collect 5,000, how much are you making in a month? This church never has mathematicians. You have a hundred Mabati houses or iron sheet houses. And each house, you charge them 5,000 shillings per month. How much are you making in a month? Half a million. Look at your neighbor and tell them, if you earn 5 million, uh, 500,000, sorry, did you say 5 million or 500,000? I thought you said 5 million. Anyway, you, you earn, if you, look at the neighbor and ask them, if you earn half a million every month, how will your life be? Do you understand what I'm talking about? So, so bare land is, it doesn't really help you that much. That's why you have to think of developing it. Amen. Put something on that land. It will be a blessing to you. So you see, these guys were walking around, and they could see this huge bare land, and there was nothing on it. They decided, let us settle here, and then let us build something here. Let us put up a structure here, a stone on top of the other. Let us build a tower, and let us build a city, so that we can make a name for ourselves. Now, from this scripture, we shall delve deeper to understand the ingredients of building, because we can see that when they decided that they wanted to build it even caught God's attention. God could see that they were serious. And so we want to study this group to see what are these ingredients that will bring a group of people together, harmonize their desires, join their hearts together and bring them together so that they may be able to accomplish, you know, the building of a project or the building of buildings. What, what, what are these things that we see what are these qualities that we see in their lives that made them decide 
that we're going to build a tower, we're going to build a city, and this tower will go all the way to the heavens. What are these things that were able to help them you know, conceive the idea of building and they actually started building? When you read the Bible, you realize it's like they started building. They started building, and God saw that these people are serious. If, if, if we don't go down there and confuse them, these people are going to build this thing. And it's going to go so high. So they actually started doing it. So what are these ingredients that we see in their lives? Number one ingredient is unity. Somebody say unity. Shout it louder, unity. Shout it louder, I can't hear you. Unity. We can be in the same group, but we are not united. We can be in the same city, but we are not united. We can be even in the same church, but we are not united. Unity is very important. And it is more than just saying we are united. And I will show you where unity begins from. Because there are people who can hold hands, they can hug, they can cry, they can do everything, you know, that shows outwardly that they are united, but in real sense, they are not united. So it's not just about saying we are united. It's not just about holding hands and walking together while walking while holding hands. There are many couples who walk together and they are holding their hands in public. But as soon as they get to their house, <laughs> they are not united. They kiss in public, but they never kiss in private. Very quiet. They hug in public, but they never hug in private. They will do so many things in public as a show off. But in private, the story is totally different. They can hold hands in the public, but they don't sleep in the same bedroom. So they are not united. Hallelujah. And please, when I talk about united, it's not Manchester. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, it's deeper than that. So we can be in the same group, we can be in the same church, we can be in the same department, we can, be, we can be in the same CMG, we can be in the same department, but we are not united. Real unity will push us to a place where when we set our hearts on a particular goal, we are able to accomplish it. Our desires, our motivations, our disposition will be in alignment to each other so that whatever we set our hearts to do, whatever we sit down and say, this is what we want to do, because we are genuinely united, we are able to accomplish it. Verse 6 of Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says, indeed the people are one. And then God says, now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Even God could recognize that these people are one. I believe the person that can determine the quality of our unity is God. If God can see it, then we are truly united. Oh, you're very quiet this morning. Let me say again. If God can see it, then we are truly united. But if God looks at us and he sees that we are disjointed, even though we are holding hands, even though we are singing, you're my brother, you're my sister. And then when God is looking at our hearts, he can see that we are not united. Let me tell you, we will not go far. The person that determines unity is God. Real, authentic unity. It is from God's perspective, not from our perspective. Because we can lie to one another. We can deceive one another. 
Look, I've been a pastor for a while. Most of the people who told me, Pastor, I'm behind you. Now when I look behind, I don't see them. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I remember one person told me, Pastor, let me tell you. Me. Me. <laughs> told me, me. She even said, I don't know about my husband, but me. You will bury me. I'm not leaving this church. As I'm talking right now, she's not here. So you can see that human beings can really lie to you. Some even say, I'm not behind you. I am beside you. <laughs> One lady, I, have, I heard her tell another pastor I was working under, say, if, if, if somebody cuts my skin, as the blood is coming out, it is shouting the name of this church. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and tell them, hey, you really tell pastor things, very deep things. But look, some people can say all these words. But let me tell you, when God looks at them, from God's perspective, he can just see they are lying. They are not really connected to you. They are not really connected to the church. That's what I'm saying. If, if God can see unity, then it is authentic unity. If from God's point of view, he can say these people are one, hey, that is serious unity. Because if, if you just look at it from our perspective, human perspective, sometimes it can really deceive you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So look at him and ask them, are you connected to me genuinely? Are we one? So unity is the antidote to white elephant projects. Where there is unity, projects will be finished. And this unity I'm talking about is the one that even God can see. Where there is unity, delays are taken care of. There will be no delays in accomplishing goals. Where there is unity, potential will not be wasted because of distractions. Where there is unity, there is no lethargy. The work will not be left to few individuals. Everybody will be involved because everybody feels like this is my project. It is not just our project, but this is my project. Hallelujah. Three facts about unity. Number one, unity occurs where there is hard work and dedication. Unity occurs where there is hard work and dedication. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1 to 3, Paul writes and he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with suffering, bearing with one another, in love, endeavoring, that's the key word there, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring requires effort. Endeavoring requires intentionality. Endeavoring is trying hard to do or achieve something. In other words, unity will not just happen. We have to fight for it. We have to pursue it. Each and every one of us must be intentional about unity. So that it is not just at the surface level. It is deeper than what people see. 
on the service level. It is so deep that God can actually see it because all of us are fighting for it. Endeavoring. Somebody shout endeavoring. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is intentionality. There is effort. There is hard work fighting for it. We make sure that our unity is recognized in heaven. Hey, this is powerful. That when God looks down and looks at COT in the season of building, he can see that they are united. COT is united in the building project. The CMGs are united. The departments are united. The pastors are united. The leaders are united. The members are united. The, the, the children are united. The, the, the teenagers are united. The band is united. The TYC is united. He can see that these people are united. And whatever they propose to do, nothing will stop them. That's what God said. Because these people are one. Whatever they decide they are going to do, nothing will stop them. My God, I prophesy we shall be so united that whatever we purpose to do, we shall be unstoppable. Shout a louder amen in this house. Unity number two. Three facts. Number two. Unity occurs where there is selflessness. Unity occurs where there is selflessness. What brought these people together? Enhanced their power, their potential, and expertise was a selfless desire to build a tower and a city. Not for one person, but for all of them. It was not a one-man show. They were not building for one man. They said, we are building it for ourselves. They were selfless. So where there is selflessness, unity will take place. You see, many people think that when we are building the church, we are building for the pastor. That's why many people don't participate in it. But it's not for the pastor. You understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. Look, you will never see me live here. This is not my land. This is the land for the church. You know, one time somebody was asking me, so now you've bought very big land. I said, two and a half acres is not even a big land. It's very small. He said, man, that land is very big. You should come. I show you, I show you churches. Churches have... Uh, 40 by 80. But that is true. Many churches. 40 by 80. 50 by 100. So he said, this land is so big. So you need to like cordon an area. <laughs> and then put your house there. I said, look, I am telling you, if I do that, I will not even sleep. Because that's not my land. That's the land for the church. Ladies and gentlemen, I can never live here. Even if, you be, even if you guys go behind my back the way you did in December. <laughs> and cordon off an area in this church and build a house, I will not enter. I will not stay in it. It is not my land. This is the land for the church. This is the land for the house of God, not my house. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So I'm telling you so that you don't pull that surprise. I'll disappoint you. <laughs> if you want to pull a surprise to buy me a house, go somewhere else. Not here. You understand? So some people think when we're building the church, we are building it for the past. It's not for me. This is for God. This land is for God. 
Look, even the title of this land is not in my name. It's, for the na- it's in the name of the church, not my name. You didn't know that. Now you know. It's not in my name. Because look, I don't, I don't want to die. You know, many of you think it's only the devil who kills people. Even God kills people. You remember Ananias? He said, I am bringing all my monies to the church. Then when he sold, he realized, hey, hey, there's a lot of money. We cannot take all this money to the, to the house of God. Discussed with the wife. Then they took a portion of the money and put in the house. That day he was going to church. He didn't know he was going to die. You, you want to tell me it is the devil who killed Ananias? Who killed Ananias? It is God. And it was in a service like this. Hallelujah. It's all I... Poop. Yeah. Ashes, ashes, ashes. TPM. Wait. TPM, TPM, TPM. Carry, carry, carry. Go and do first aid. Then Minister Jackie sends a note. Say, tell pastor. Ananias is dead. Then the Holy Ghost speaks to the pastor. Pastor Peter. And tells him the reason why Ananias has died in the service. And look, they did not leave the service to go and conduct the funeral service. Those guys took the guy, buried, came back to the service. The wife also came. Hallelujah. Poop. So I am very clever. I know the things of God, you don't touch and you don't play with them. God can also kill you. Uza and Ahio died because of touching the ark of the... They were not supposed even to touch it. And they died. Who killed them? The devil. It was God. You get what I'm saying? So we, we are coming together to build God's house. Not pastor's house. We are coming together to build God's house. Tell your neighbor, be selfless. Tell them one more time, be selfless. Yes, we are coming together to build God's house. Not to build a man's house. We are coming together to build God's house. Now, when everybody is selfless like that, then unity is achieved. Hallelujah. I'm enjoying my message. Hmm. (laughs) So, selflessness is very important because it harnesses our resources, our expertise, um, our strength, so that we can be able to build the house of God. God, hallelujah. When we are selfless, each and every one of us is selfless, we can never destabilize the church. When we are selfless, each and every one of us, we are going to be sacrificial in giving of our resources to ensure that the house of God is built. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, human beings can be selfish? Yes, we can be very, very selfish. And sometimes we are selfish even at a wrong time. When the church needs you, you become selfish. When the ministry needs you, you become selfish. When God needs you, you become selfish. God is counting on you to build his house. You decide to be selfish. That's why you hear people say, hey, they have started building, I'm leaving. God is counting on you to build, then you leave. God is counting on you to build, then you decide you are not going to give. Tell your neighbor, it is selfishness. By the time God was commissioning this project, he had already factored your money into the project because he knew you were there. 
Tell your neighbor, God knows you are there and he knows how much you are earning and he knows if you sacrifice, the building will be built. You want to tell me God does... You know me, I don't even know how much you, most of you earn. But God knows. Because I don't even check tithes. I don't even check offerings. I am, I'm just told this is how the giving was. That's it. I don't know what you have given. I don't know what you have tithed. Because I also don't want... You are tithing to influence me. When I look at you, I see God's children. Yeah, I just see God's children in the house. So unless you tell me you're a millionaire, I will not know. Yeah, I will not know. Me, I just know I'm dealing with God's children. All of them are serving the Lord. They love God. And they are making it. <laughs> Are we together, somebody? Because I don't want your money to influence me. Because I'm a human being, I can't be influenced. Yes. I'm a human being. If, 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 can I have two people come? Please, the gentleman in attire, you look very smart. Please come. And this lady here, please, come, 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 come here. Come, come. Clap, clap for them as they're coming. Yeah. So this is, this is tithe number one. Cindy, this is tithe number two. Tithe number one brings a tithe of five million. Receive it in Jesus' name. Alright? And he's faithful. He brings a tithe of five million. Tithe number two is <laughs> for the purpose of demonstration. Brings a tithe of five thousand and she's not regular. When she's sick, will the pastor move with speed? Remember also the pastor is a human being, eh? Her tithe is 5,000 and she's not regular. His tithe is 5 million and he's regular when he is sick. The whole church comes to his house because the pastor is imagining if I don't go and then I lose the 5 million. That's why I have protected myself from that. You understand? When I look at these two people, I see my beautiful members who are serving the Lord. If he's a millionaire, I don't know. If she's a millionaire, I don't know. But I just look at them and say, these are my sons, these are my daughters. And Wanajikaza. Yeah. We are serving God as we look forward to going to heaven, isn't it? Please be seated. Because, I mean, you're a human being and, and you can be influenced. You can be influenced. But God knows all of you. And so when he commissions a project, he knows that if all these people become faithful, my work will not be stopped. And that's why I'm talking about selflessness. It is selflessness that gives birth to unity. When you have a group of people who are selfless and they're committed to this one thing that God is commissioning them to do and they become selfless about it, let me tell you, that project will never be stopped. So tell your neighbor, don't be selfish. Tell them again, don't be selfish. Yeah. This is not the time for you to move churches. And say, oh, because they are building, let me go to this other church which has already been built. The day they will finish, I'll come back. Tell your neighbor, that's a sign of selfishness. Because you need to notice, the church you are moving to which has been built, there is somebody there who was selfless. Oh, I wish I had a witness. If, if the person or the people in that church behaved like you, they could not be having that century. 
So you are going to enjoy the fruits of selflessness. Let me rephrase it. You are a selfish man, selfish woman, going to enjoy the fruits of selflessness. How wicked can believers be? So become selfless. Because unity depends on what? Selflessness. Where there is selflessness, unity is inevitable. Number three, another fact about unity. Unity is magnetic. Unity attracts God. Where there is unity, God will show up. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Down there it says, for in that place God commands a blessing. He is attracted to unity. Look at these people. They were so united until God came down. When you look at verse 5 to 6, their solid unity God uh, caught God's attention. Verse 5 to 6, the Bible says that the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do now. Nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. When God saw that they were united, God said, that is an environment where I thrive in. Let me go down there. Where there is discord and strife, it is not a conducive environment for God to operate in. But where unity is, it becomes a magnet that attracts God to that place. Ladies and gentlemen, when we, become a, when we become united, God will come and God will be with us. When you look at Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were in the upper room praying. But something else happened. The Bible says they were in one accord. And because they were in one accord, the Spirit of God had to come down. Where there is unity, God will always show up. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says that two cannot walk together unless they have agreed. Yeah, if two of you agree as touching anything here on earth and you pray, the Bible says God will hear you. Yeah, God will hear you and God will answer your prayer. That's why the Bible even encourages husbands and wives to be united. Because if they are not united, then they go and pray. The Bible says even their prayers are hindered. God is not there. You can't slap your wife and then you go and speak in tongues. God is not there. Scratch your husband in the middle of the night. I saw this video of a woman... Because <laughs> you can't scratch him when he's awake. I saw this video of a woman who slapped the husband. The husband was deep asleep. She slapped the husband. When the husband woke up, she told the husband, My dear, you've had a very bad nightmare. Please go back to sleep. And she's the one who slapped the husband. Now, if you move from that place to go and kneel down and pray, God will not answer you. He's not there at all. You understand what I'm talking about? So we must be united. Tell your neighbor, we must be united. Because when we walk together in unity, God will come down. Look, when God comes down, he's coming down to help us. He comes with resources. He comes with favor. He comes with monies. He will come with silver. He will come with gold. He is coming to help us. We shall be helped marvelously when we walk in unity. Can I hear an amen? Now, you're asking me, so pastor, where does unity begin from? Can we go deeper? Unity begins at the heart. Somebody say at the heart. 
Shout it louder at the heart. Our hearts must be connected to one another for us to be truly united. And when we are united at this level, the heart level, then whatever we set our hearts to do will be accomplished. Now, let's look at different types of hearts. Number one, we have a double heart. A double heart is deceitful. It is full of lies. It's full of dishonesty. It is full of hypocrisy. Psalms chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. David speaks and he says, Help, Lord, for the goodly man, for the godly man, rather, ceases. For the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak idly, everyone, with his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. So David here mentions a double heart. We have people with double hearts who speak. A double heart does not stop you from speaking. You will still speak. You have a double heart, but speak with one tongue. You didn't get what I'm trying to say. You have a double heart, but you speak with one tongue. But that tongue, when you listen to it carefully, it reveals a double heart. That's what the Bible says. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, and then with flattery lips. You see, when somebody flatters you, what they are telling you is not the truth. Somebody can tell you, oh my God, that dress and that skirt, they are matching. And then you're like, really? You even turn 360 degrees. Really? They say, oh yes. But their heart, their heart, whatever their heart is saying, is contradicting what their tongue is saying. Some can even say, oh my God, look at him. Wow. This man is going somewhere. But their heart is telling them, you are not going anywhere. But they tell you what you want to hear. It's a double heart. Am, am I saying something that you have experienced before? That's why sometimes when you hear the truth, you realize you are so stupid to believe what this person was saying. Somebody can come and profess his love to you. But let me tell you, it's not the truth. They will tell you what you want to hear. Flattery lips. Oh my dear, let me tell you, I've never met a woman like you. Lie. I've never met a man like you. Lie. I have never been loved like this. Lies. They are just trying to tell you what you want to hear. Because they have an intention. After they get what they want, they are out of your life. Ask your neighbor, do you have a double heart? You tell the pastor, pastor, we are behind you. <laughs> oh, pastor, we are beside you. But their heart is telling them something else. I, 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 I couldn't believe one time there was a lady who could not even greet me. When she was before me, she used to kneel. Not greeting, kneel. She said, Papa, lay your hands on my head, Papa. <laughs> one time I told her please stand I said oh, oh papa I don't want to be familiar papa lay your hands on my head papa and bless me those who are her greetings but later on I discovered it was pretense double heart 
People will appear before you and show you or demonstrate to you or say what you want to hear. But their hearts are thinking about something else. It's flattery. And people can destroy you with flattery. You can think that these people are with you, but they are not with you. How many have been flattered here before? Maybe I'm the only one. Oh, then why are you not supporting me as I'm preaching this? Double hearts. Double hearts. David says, with flattering lips, a double heart speaks to you. I can't forget when we were preparing to buy land, there's a gentleman who came to me and told me, Pastor, that time we were not even buying this land. We were buying the land in Embakasi, 200 million. Came and see, saw me and said, Pastor, what is 200 million shillings? I said, it's a lot of money. He said, no, 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 no. I have gold. And I want you, in fact, these are his words. He told me, I want you to stop worrying about the 200 million because I have gold. I'm looking for market. That gold is worth, I think he mentioned bees, not even millions, bees. He said, I'm going to look for the market. I'm selling it. I'll bring you the money. Ladies and gentlemen, up to today, I've never seen that gentleman. <laughs> We have even moved here. I have never seen him. You know, I went home. I remember we were with Pastor Mary in the car and we went home and I told Pastor Mary. You know, there's... A, there's, there's, there's... <laughs> you know, there's a man who was before Jesus. And Jesus asked him, do you believe? He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So when we were in the car with Pastor Mary, I told Pastor Mary, when the guy was talking, <laughs> I wanted to believe him. But I told Pastor Mary, let me just pray. I said, Lord, help my unbelief. Because he didn't sound genuine. I knew he was telling me what I wanted to hear. But he was not genuine. A double heart. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, have you sold your gold? Maybe he's here. You know, I didn't cram his face. <laughs> I didn't really cram his face. So when people have are full of flatteries, it works against unity. Praise the Lord. If you promise you're going to do something for God, do it. If you promise you're going to give something for God, do it. Amen? If you promise you're going to give towards the project, do it. Because if you don't do it, then the gap that you're supposed to cover, that gap is left open. And so you, 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 you don't accelerate the accomplishment of that project. Lift your hand and say, I refuse a double heart. Then number two, we have a divided heart. A divided heart is one that has so many options. 
This is a heart whose allegiance, this is a heart whose allegiance is torn by other loyalties or forces. It has multiple lovers and is inclined towards infidelity. A divided heart suggests a person with staggering allegiance. Staggering allegiance. You think this person is with you, but he's not with you. He will even pledge loyalty to you, but he's not with you. He'll pledge allegiance to you, but he's not with you. How many of you have ever fallen in love with anybody? We're still in February, so we're talking about love. You have ever fallen in love with everybody or anybody in your entire life. You know, today I was teaching a class. Can I give you a story? I was teaching a class and I asked people to tell me how their first kiss was. Some people refused to say. <laughs> Ask your neighbor for me, do you remember your first kiss? Please talk to your neighbor. Ask your neighbor, do you remember your first kiss? If they say yes, ask them, when was it? This worship team is so holy. They are not talking to their neighbors. Look, a majority of us here have had an experience of loving somebody who had other options. You loved someone, gave him your heart, gave him your money, gave him your attention, or gave her your money, gave her your attention, but you came to discover that she had other options or he had other options. True or not true? Huh? And Butua was waiting for you. <laughs> Only a few can understand that joke. <laughs> Pastor Dennis didn't get it. So please make sure you explain to him after the service, isn't it? Anybody that has options is not fully committed to you. If you love a woman who has two men in view, she will not be committed to you. If you love a man who has two women in view or three, he will not be committed to you. True or not true? Because if you love me, then you have to invest in me. Fully. Your money is my money. Eh? Lord, help me preach this message today. I say your money is my money. Your car is my car. Eh, the yes is going down. Father, I pick the yes and bring it back again in the name of Jesus. Your money is my money. Mm -hmm. Your house is my house. Mm -hmm. Your car is my car. Uh -huh. The pin number of your ATM. Hey. Now, I, I have traded on a live wire, isn't it? Wow. The password of your phone. The pattern. When you go to the bathroom to shower, you should not go with your phone. Oh Lord, my yeses have disappeared. Your phone, I can have... You see, if, if, if your partner cannot stay with your phone for 24 hours, you are a suspect. 
I feel like coming closer because I feel like I feel like I'm dealing with a stronghold. <laughs> Father, I shatter that stronghold in the name of Jesus. Some of you, even your partner cannot hold your phone. When they just touch it, you start having pressure. Your blood pressure shoots. A divided heart is dangerous. And you can be in a church, but you're not fully committed to that church. You can be in COT, but your heart is in HOC. You can be here, but your heart is somewhere else. That's where you find there are people who are very restless. Yeah, they don't feel like being in that church they are in, that they will get everything that they are looking for. That's why we have seasonal members. There are members who will come to a church for three months. Stay, 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 then they move. Three months later, you don't see them. They're in another church. After three months, they come back again. Then they tell you, you see, we are serving one God. <laughs> it's because their hearts are divided. Praise the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I really love being here. That it takes a lot when it comes to invitations to move me from here to go and preach somewhere else. It's, it's not just something that I look forward to. I'm looking for invitations so I can stay away from these people that I preach to every Sunday and they don't listen to me. <laughs> My heart is not divided. My heart is here. I love preaching to you. Whether you say amen or not, but I just enjoy it. Amen. You understand? But if I was having a divided heart, let me tell you, you'll be seeing me once a month. This week you see me here. You see me in Kitale. You see me in Mombasa. You see me in Voi. You see me in uh, Tanzania. You see me in Rwanda. Maybe I should try it one year. I just see how the effect... Pastor Dennis, what do you think? We, 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 can we try it? You know, everything you need to try to see. But even my conscience cannot allow me. Because my first priority is to feed you. Is to feed you God's word. So when you have a divided heart, let me tell you, there will be no unity. You are somewhere, but your heart is not fully committed. You don't really believe in what is happening there. Because of a divided heart. So ask your neighbor for me, is your heart here? First Kings chapter 18, verse 20 to 21. Mm. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. This is the time when there was a showdown at Mount Carmel. Elijah said, bring your prophets. We shall meet on Mount Carmel. Let's see the God that can answer by fire. Ahab said, that is easy. All my false prophets, let's go to Mount Carmel. So they gathered all the prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long? Look at that. He said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people, look at them, divided hearts. But the people answered him not a word. They did not say yes and they did not say no. They were neutral. Divided hearts. People who are neutral will never give you an answer. 
Some of you parents, you have noticed sometimes you try to talk to your children and you ask your children, do you think you did something wrong? The child is quiet. Do you think you did something good? The child is quiet. I don't know if you are like me. You feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you feel the anointing rising. It goes into your hand. And you feel your hand is shaking. It's looking for a road. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one who feels that anointing. The people did not answer Elijah. Nothing. Because their hearts were divided. Part of them wanted the Lord God and part of them wanted Baal as their God. People with divided hearts will never foster unity in a group. Amen. Ask your neighbor one more time. Ah, are you with us? Huh? Are you connected to us? Are you really with us? Have you connected with this building? Are we together? Is your heart in this thing? I'm asking you this morning. Is your heart in this thing? You see, only three people are saying yes. And the rest answered him. Please, give the, bring the scripture. But the rest. Aye, where is the scripture? DJ. But the people answered him, not our. Are you in this project? Is your neighbor talking? Please, become my... My policeman or policewoman, when I ask the question, so we know if your neighbor is part of it. Are you in this project? Yes. Uh -huh. So you always wanted to be policed, eh? for you to say yes. So a divided heart will never commit to anything. Praise the Lord. It has fidelity. A heart that is, sorry, a divided heart has infidelity. It's unfaithful. It's a Swahili word that I love. In a hanya hanya. It's neither here nor there. Not faithful at all. Look, if you're married to somebody and that person is looking at somebody else, it makes you jealous. True or not true? You know, there are people who say, oh, I'm not jealous. You're not saying the truth. Oh, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. If you hear somebody repeating, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. Me, me, jealous, me. Hey, never je They're already jealous. <laughs> it should make you jealous. Because that person belongs to you. You understand what I'm talking about? And can I open my heart to you? Even pastors are jealous. Yes. When you become faithful to pastors, they feel jealous. Because they're wondering, Kwani, what's going on? Am I not anointed? Am I not a pastor? Am I not a leader? Can't I pray for you, you get saved? Why do you think somebody else can pray for you more than I pray for you? It is a natural response. Okay, let me bring it home. You've married your wife forever, forever, forever. Then she goes somewhere, spends a day somewhere with somebody, you know, and then comes back home and she gives you a testimony. She even tells you, I wish you were there. This man made me feel like a woman. This man touched some areas in my life that I never thought existed. 
And she's testifying to you and she tells you, my goodness, that man is so skillful. The anointing will begin to rise, isn't it? Tell your neighbor, I'll not have a divided heart. David says in Psalms 86 and verse 11. What does David say here? Psalm 86, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart. Unite my heart. My heart is divided. My heart has many lovers. But Lord, unite my heart to do what? To fear your name. Oh my goodness, my time. Number three is a doubtful heart. Remember we are talking about unity because I'm taking you somewhere. We have a doubtful heart. A doubtful heart is very simple. It's a heart that doubts. This heart doesn't have faith, doesn't have conviction. No matter what God is speaking to the church, this heart will not believe in it. The pastor will say, we are going to build. The person with a doubtful heart will say, who? Where? When? Us. These people I see in this church can build that building. Impossible. Let me watch and see what will happen. And those people are in our midst. When we say we want to do something, they will always come up with a contrary opinion. As to why the thing cannot be done. When the pastor say we are going to do crusades. They say hmm. Okay. And in those crusades the lame are going to walk. Say ooh. He's ambitious. Blind eyes are going to open. Hmm. jokes. They don't really believe but they are there. Oh, we are going to plant churches in all the 47 counties of this country. Wow. He's shooting high. But let's see what will happen. Where will he get 47 pastors? From where? In this Kenya. Where? Oh, after we are done with the 47 counties, brothers and sisters, we are going to go to Africa. Hmm. These people that I interact with here, they don't even have passports. <laughs> and some of them will go to these African countries. Wow. Okay, let's watch and say. Oh, we are going to build cathedrals. Mm. And ours, we have not even started. <laughs> will it even happen? Chronic doubters. They will always look for a reason not to believe what the pastor is saying. Ask your neighbor for me, are you a chronic doubter? John chapter 20 talks about a guy called Thomas. Verse 24. He was among the twelve, but he was full of doubt. He had a doubtful heart. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve was one was not with them when Jesus came. You see, even doubt keeps you from meetings. When Jesus is having a service, the guy was not there. So Jesus comes, verse 24. The other disciples therefore say to him, we have seen the Lord. Now, 
If the people who have been with Jesus for three and a half years tell you they have seen him, you should believe. Because they know him. They told him, we have seen the Lord. That is after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. They told him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, look at what he said, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Whatever you guys are telling me is nonsense. I have to see it for me to believe. And there are people like that in church. I will not believe that we shall build a sanctuary until the day I see the sanctuary has gone up. When I see it has gone up and we have entered, that's when I will believe. You don't, want, you don't need to believe when the sanctuary has gone up. We don't need your belief. We need it now before it has gone up. Tell your neighbor, we need your faith right now, not later. If you come when the building is up, we don't need your faith. Because we have already accomplished that goal. But doubters will, will not believe until they see. They have to see for them to believe. I pray that this church will not be full of doubters. To be full of people who have faith. Hallelujah. Prophesy, may your faith grow. May your faith be stronger. May your faith go to the next level. May you believe we shall build. Oh, that amen is weak. I say, may you believe we shall build. May you believe we shall finish. May you believe that the monies will come. The resources will come. May you believe that you will walk into that sanctuary and worship God and serve God in that sanctuary in Jesus' name. Shout aloud, amen. Give somebody a high five and tell them, I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe the sanctuary will be completed. I believe the children's center will be completed. I believe the TYC sanctuary will be completed. I believe the churches will be planted. I believe our cathedrals will be built. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. Yes. Not after seeing, that's why you say, oh, Kumbe Mulik was serious. Now I believe. We need your faith now. Hallelujah. Every doubting Thomas here, I convert you. Have faith. Believe that God can do it. Believe that God can do it. You know, I remember Pastor Jimmy was giving a story. He had gone to Ethiopia to attend a meeting with Bishop Doug. And when he was there and he was talking to Bishop Doug, Bishop Doug told him, go and build. When he was flying back, he looked at his church. He felt sorry. Because he said, he looked at his people. Most of them are young people. And he asked the Lord, Lord, <laughs> these people, will they build? But again, it's like the Lord rebuked him and he said, you start and see. And he started. Look, there are three quarters to the completion of the building. Yeah. They're almost finishing. Actually, right now, they're in the building. Believe. Look at them and tell them, believe. Believe. You know, some of you are even looking at your neighbor and you're wondering, who are you going This one. Please, can, can you look at your neighbor and give me the calculation of the figure you think? This one. Akienda sana. 
But tell your neighbor, don't underestimate me. Tell another one, don't underestimate me. That person you're seated next to, the Lord can elevate you. In the next 24 hours, in the next 48 hours, you wake up in the morning and things have shifted in the next level. And they can become kingdom financiers. Shout, I believe! Oh yes, I believe! I believe. And sometimes the thing, the people that you think can never do it are the people that God can raise to be able to do it. I'm preaching to people that God is raising in this church to build him a sanctuary. I don't know if I'm in the right church this morning. I say I'm preaching to people that God is raising in this generation to build the church. We shall build and finish. God will use our hands. He will use our expertise. He will use the finances that he's going to put in our hands to be able to build the house. We shall build and we shall finish. I say we shall build and we shall finish. I say I will build and we shall finish. If you believe it, clap your hands and give God a shout. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. God is going to use me. Oh yes, he's going to use me. Yes, I will, I will, I will, I will. Some of you, you will take one pillar. Oh, the yes has gone down. Father, let their faith be strengthened. Some of you will take one pillar. Some of you will say, a half of this, of this area, it is mine. It is mine. I'm going to do it. Some of you will say, Pastor, the windows are mine. Choose the design and give me the bill. Some of you will say, the doors are mine. Who am I preaching to in this house? Do you believe? I believe. I believe. I believe. I feel like the Holy Ghost is doing something. He's stirring up your faith. Somebody say, I believe. Maybe go over to five people and just tell them, I believe that God is going to use me. I believe that through my hands, resources will be channeled to the project. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I am not a Thomas. I believe. I believe I have the faith like that of Abraham. I believe I will not die before I see the sanctuary completed. I believe we shall build, we shall finish. I believe we shall build, we shall finish. I believe we shall build, we shall finish. I believe. Do I have believers? Do I have believers? Do I have believers in this house? I believe. I believe. Hallelujah. Even if it rains, we shall still build. Hallelujah. In this economy, we shall build. Which, oh my goodness. Even in this economy, we shall build and we shall finish. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even if there is no rain, we shall build. We shall finish. Even if conditions are not conducive, we shall build. We shall finish. Do I have believers in this house? Do you believe? 
as you're standing, the last one is one heart. One heart. Exodus 35. Read from 21 to 22. When God spoke to Moses to speak to the Israelites, they came together. The Bible says then everyone came. God said, tell them to bring monies for the building of the tabernacle. Then everyone came whose heart. Everyone came whose heart. Let your heart be stirred this morning. Whose heart was stirred. And everyone whose spirit was willing. Hey, look at that kind of unity. You're looking at close to a million people whose hearts were stirred. And everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. For all its service and for the holy garments. Then look at verse 22. Something else happened to their hearts. They didn't just have willing hearts. Then they came both men and women. They didn't just have stirred hearts. They had willing hearts. Then came both men and women. As many as had a willing heart. And brought earrings and nose rings and rings and necklaces. All jewelry. Of gold. That is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. Their hearts were stirred. Their hearts were willing. They were united behind the project. And what was this project? To build a tabernacle. I pray that all of us will have one heart. All of us will desire the same thing. Ask me, but do you desire what we are desiring? You know, as we're talking about building, if you're not careful, your heart will start telling you, why are we building? Why are we building? We are okay. Why are we building? That money should be taken to the poor. You're having another heart. You're not having the heart we are having. Why are we building? You know that money can pay school fees for the poor. I know what you're saying. But also God has commanded us to build. And we have to Obey him. When God was telling the Israelites to bring an offering, there were poor people in the congregation. You're very quiet. I don't know why. Huh? There were poor people in that congregation. Yes, that's why Jesus said the poor will always be there. But when God wants some things to be done, we must have one heart. Tell your neighbor one heart. I just want to confirm. Is everybody under my, the sound of my voice? Are we desiring the same thing? Or I'm the only one passionate here. Look at the way I'm preaching. Screaming like a madman. <laughs> Are you also feeling the same? Or um, you're, you're looking at me and saying, wow. Wow. He has lost his mind. He has the mind of Christ. Wow. He's really shouting today. Wow. Are you feeling what I'm feeling? If I gave you this microphone, will you preach with the same passion? Only one person said, yeah. Let me try again. Become a police of your neighbor. <laughs> if I gave you the microphone, will you preach with the passion that I'm preaching with? Hey, you really love to be policed. This side, will you have the same passion? 
This side, will you have the same passion? This side, will you have the same passion? This side, will you have the same passion? Yes. One heart. Look, these people had one heart to build a tower and to build a city. That was what they were talking about every day, every day. From today, we are kicking off a new conversation. Our hearts will be towards the building of God's house. Tell your neighbor, please look at your neighbor and cram their faces and tell them you're not running away in Jesus' name. One heart. Have you crammed their faces? Really? Are you sure you've crammed their faces? Do they look like they have gold somewhere? They look like they have gold somewhere. Tell them to sell the gold and bring the money. <laughs> One heart. Their hearts were willing. Their hearts were stirred. Their hearts were willing. Their hearts were stirred. I pray that your heart will be stirred. Hallelujah. You know, I was in harvest. I think last year, it was end of last year when Bishop Doug was coming there. And when I was in that building, I looked around to see the excitement that, were, that was in the members of that church. They were not just excited because Bishop Doug was coming. They were excited because when they looked around, they saw what one heart can do. Because it is the building that made Bishop Doug go there. If there was no building, he could not have gone there. One heart is powerful. One heart is powerful. You watch and see. As we start building, you will see prominent people coming here. You will see prominent pastors in this city coming here. Because any time you come together and do something magnificent, it attracts the attention of the city. You understand? Some of you want people to come and see small things. Big people don't come to see small things. You, you didn't get that. That's why we've been trying to get people to come to see you, I think. But it's too small. They will never come until it becomes big. When it is big, they will come. In fact, when it is big, you don't even have to tell them to come. They will say, we see you're doing something. We want to come and see what you're doing. One heart. They were willing and their hearts were stirred. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.